Welcome to Live Sense8. I'm Sheila Applegate. And I'm Zach Hansen. In this podcast, we dive deep into the concepts of consciousness and other interesting trivia in the Netflix original series Sense8. We're doing an episode by episode exploration of how we can live a Sense8 life. We're also throwing in some special episodes along the way with actors and crew and people who have contributed to the miracle of Sense8. And this week's episode is brought to you by Denise Natitian, Teresa Helenin, and Divine Phoenix Books. Books with a purpose for a positive change. What's going on? In this segment, we talk about what's going on in the world of Sense8 fandom. To begin with, I want to say a personal thank you to Monica G on Twitter, who live streamed for us a presentation by one of the Sensate writers, El Cassandra Heman, when he spoke to film students on a campus in Chicago. It is incredible presentation, in my opinion. I love seeing behind the scenes to the writer's room and the process of creation. So, we're going to put that link up for you on Patreon. And also Netflix Life, who have been really great to Sense8 and supporting us and keeping the word out and trying to generate more viewers as we lead up to the, the special. They're doing a rewatch leading up to the special. Not that we know when the special is going to be yet, but still... We're just moving forward because we know at some point it's going to be here. So we're going to keep promoting the best we can as we lead up to it. And what a great idea. So they're posting uh, different episodes, rewatch episode days, and we can all watch together and comment. And don't you think that it would be really fun to rewatch and either re-listen or listen to one of the Live Sense8 podcasts that match up to the episode. So they're going faster than us. It probably, we won't be able to keep up with them. But at least until they pass us, it's a really fun idea to do those together. And if you're a new listener, it's a great way for you to go back and um, listen to some of our earlier episodes. And then G who is the host of the YouTube series, The F Word, reviewed Sense8 Season 1 and gave it a really great review. And he put no spoilers in it. So this means that we have a video we can share, especially with people who haven't seen Sense8 yet, when we want to give them a little overview of why it's so great to watch it. One of the my favorite lines that he said, he was talking about the cluster, and he said... It's like one spirit with eight branches. How awesome is that? And then I just want to give a shout out to all of you Sensei fans who are continuing to promote, thinking of new ideas. There's always a creative idea on how to get more viewers or more attention. And 
I know you're working really hard to keep the momentum going. So sending you a wave of love. And over on Patreon, all you Sense8s or people who pledge $5 or more, and for all you $5 Patreons and above, please use your secret link in order to listen to the producer's cut of this episode with Michael Summers and other episodes. Also, for all you $10 members out there, you Limbic Resonators, remember to check in to Patreon to find your deep dive classes where Sheila and I talk about and teach about living in higher consciousness. Awesome. Now on with the show. Yes. I'm excited about today's show. All right. All of you know Michael, who plays Bug on the Netflix original series Sense8. You may not know that he also attended the San Francisco International Film Film Festival just last night, where Sorry to Bother You, the Sundance Film Festival hit by Boots Riley, was a sensation. Michael plays Johnny, the evil boss, to Lakeith Stanfield. Congratulations, Michael. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. What an honor. This is a really, uh, this this is blown up and it's so exciting. It's coming out July uh, 6th, so hopefully people can see it. Oh, well, I will, for sure. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. You're going to love it. I live in Oakland, California, and it's very much about Oakland, so that part of it was really fun. Oh, that's exciting. And then last year, um, you also saw appearances in Chance from Hulu, Budding Prospects from Amazon, and the Indie Gem Saltwater, and the San Francisco Indie Fest winner, Don't Shoot, I'm the Guitar Man. You are a busy man. (laughs) Yeah, it was a good year. (laughs) Yeah, especially with, you know, you put Sense8 in there and you're talking a really good year. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, right. All right, and I hear your your favorite stage credit is replacing Jeremy Irons in the title role of Chopin in Chopin and George Sand from Ensemble to the Romantic Century in New York City. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And Michael's great creative love is his true story, One Man Play. This is amazing, Michael. You have a one-man play. And if people, all of you listeners, if you want to travel to Vermont in May, which I highly recommend, you can see... Yeah, seriously. Right? (laughs) You can see... Yeah, beautiful. You can see Michael's autobiographical true story, Heart in the Hood. Michael (laughs) wrote, created, and performs all 17 beloved characters, as well as sings and plays the harmonica. For more details, go to his website, michaelsummers.com. That's Summers with an O. michaelsummers.com. We'll have that on our Patreon page, too. And this is the show that you performed for Lana Wachowski and yeah. and the gang in Chicago and for the fans of Sense8 in Rome. Wow. Yeah. 17 yeah. characters. It, that was, what's that? 17 characters. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of interesting people in my neighborhood and these are my friends <laughs> and neighbors and, 
and you got to portray at least some of them. There, 17 is a small number for the number of, of good characters around here. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, I think we're going to Vermont in May. Oh, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> Definitely. That's awesome. Well, welcome, Michael. Let's like dive in. Thank you so much for being yes, here. Yes, thank you. We're so oh. excited. We're looking forward to this for a, for a while now. Oh, cool, man. Me too. Me too. I, I was excited when you guys asked, and it sounded like a lot of fun. We visit a lot of super, I was going to say fond memories. They are that, but they're powerful memories for me, man. I hope I don't start uh, crying uh, too many times. <laughs> we like criers. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. I always feel like I've done a good job if I get someone crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> crying in a good way that right. is. <laughs> yeah that's right well that kind of starts us out then because my first question for you really was to have you share an overview of your experience um, yeah. with Sensei and the cast so far of all the people we've interviewed everyone is gushing with what an incredible experience this is we have yet to find anyone yeah. who had a complaint so do you fall in the gushing? <laughs> oh, uh, I'm a big time gusher. Absolutely. Uh, you know, seriously, crying was a big part of it <laughs> for me <laughs> because I knew, well, a couple of things were going on. So I don't expect everybody to know all the details that they found out on social media. So I'll fill you in. Uh, in September and October and November, we shot uh in Europe, in Berlin and Paris and Naples, Napoli, Tiamo Napoli. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and we, we, it, it's the final episode, so we knew, for, for me, it, two things were going on. One was it was the final episode, so it was very emotional uh, to know that we, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start crying already. <laughs> to know that we wouldn't be doing this again in this, uh, well, knock on wood, I always say, because it's never over. But the second thing that happened was that, uh, me as an actor and Bug as a character kept rising up. Um, and when I, I'll explain what I mean by that. Have patience. When I went to Europe, it was, I was, total full belonging uh, really for the first time. Let me take a minute to explain what I mean. With my first season, I when I was hired to play Bug, I was hired to play one scene in episode seven and shot in San Francisco and I live near uh, in San Francisco. I live in Oakland across the bay. And so what you do is you shoot your scene, you go home at night and then, you know, you go back the next day, but you go home at night. Right. And then, and then, Bob, I got a call from my agent. Hey, Michael, Lana and Lily wrote another scene for Bug. I'm like, you're kidding me. And it was, you know, it was just huge. Just like they, they liked me. <laughs> you know, and they liked the character of Bug and they found Bug to be very, useful, you know, and important and, uh, and me, someone that they wanted to work with again. It's like, you know, okay, I'm crying right there. So then season two happens and my, again, it's, you get these information in, in pieces and dribbles through your agent. And, um, so my agent was like, uh, Michael, you know, Sensei wants to 
uh, what if you can shoot in June. So I'm, I didn't know that they wanted me back, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, I think I can make time. And then they start sending me scripts, and, and I'm calling my mom. I'm like, Mom, I'm in the first episode of season two. And then they get the second script. I'm in episode two. I'm in episode three, four, five. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, my God, my brain is exploding. I'm bawling, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and, and season three comes around, and not only so season two, I'm a full member, the character really. Bug is a full member of the cast, but but Michael, me, the actor, I'm still for the most part in San Francisco and going home after the shoot that day. It makes a big difference to right. go stay in the hotel with the whole cast and the whole crew, and then travel to the next city on a chartered flight and drink champagne and go out to the club. And, and that didn't happen right. until the third, the final episode. And so I'm not some big Hollywood star. You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just me. And they're flying me, you know, business class, first class, one of these fancy hotels. And uh, anyway, so... It was like I was a full-fledged member of the Globe Trotters of the cast and crew of Sense8 at that point. It was really powerful <laughs> and exciting awesome. and transcendent. Mm. I'm hanging with Lana, you know. We're in Berlin, and after the day is done, the beautiful thing about the hotel in Berlin was that the bar, when you come in the front door, the bar is like right there, which means that you can just sort of glance over and see if any of your friends are there, you know? Yeah. And so, and so even if they weren't there, I'd go sit there. So when they came in the door, they might see me and might choose to come, you know, and right. I'm hanging out with Lana, I'm hanging out with everybody, and wow. Fabulous. Incredible that sounds people awesome. is yeah. the thing. You know, that we wanted to hang out together. We liked each other. Um, we thought that we were doing, we still think that we're doing something incredibly important. You are. And I think so. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was a long monologue. So I'm going to go back and see if you guys have a. Well, I think that's, I mean, that was so great to hear. Thank you for sharing that. And part of what I do to prepare is I go through and watch all your scenes, just you, right? Oh, <laughs> so I see, nice. I see the whole series just through Bug's eyes. And that was some of the thoughts that I had. I'm like, but you know, you, you became such, the character became such an integral part. And I noticed yeah. that, I mean, Amanita definitely supports um, and she does her Google thing and her, you know, <laughs> spy thing. But your character got the te the cluster out of so many situations that they couldn't do. So I noticed that you were the one, um, you know, they share their skills. It, it, there was this beautiful mix with you because you weren't part of the cluster. You didn't even ask questions in the beginning, but right. you, but they were relying on you really, yeah. really strongly to get themselves through the situations, which you're the only yeah, character it, that really plays that role. 
yeah, I guess you're right. I uh, thank you. But, you know, I I always look at it from my own character's perspective, which is that as much as they were relying on me, I was totally relying on them. I, uh, I feel like they brought me out of, they brought me back into the world is how I look at it, which is, we're going to be talking about the themes of Sense8, and I'll just, that'll be my, my, my opening salvo right there, you know, that they, that, that Bug, Bug felt part of the world through his friends um, on, the, on the web, and, and, but they brought him into the world that he really wanted as well, which right. was the, the physical world as well. Right. And it was just huge. And they did. Bob. Right. But of the cluster, you really only had been near Nomi physically, even though it wasn't virtual, right? Until. Yeah. Well, until, until the um, final. <laughs> well, I, I didn't, I, you know. I, I I was convinced that I did meet Lido, and I did. But I mean, in reality, it could have been Nomi just pull, yanking my chain because I couldn't really see him or hear him. I'm talking about the scene in the Castro right, Theater yeah. in San Francisco. Uh, but that's one reason why going to Europe was so emotional for me was because not only was I the actor become a full fledged member of Sense8, but Bug the character did too. Exactly. And you yeah. guys will see in in the final episode, um, oh my God, it's it's really, certainly very powerful for me. It's a, you guys are going to love the final episode, awesome. my God. <laughs> I can't wait, can't wait. That is really, that's really beautiful. And it's, so good. Yeah, it's. I'm just making a, a quick comment. It's very interesting to me because we, as you know, we interviewed Paul Agola, and he yeah. had a similar situation with his, yeah. like how his personal life reflected his life on the show. Right. So it's very, very right. cool to see um, more of that happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, well, this is a phenomenon that is all because of the Wachowskis and because of Sense Eight. And, uh, you know, Lana took, Lana didn't have to cast me. Um, so you, so you understand, um, most of the time I live in San Francisco and Oakland and I've just chosen, I like to live here despite the fact that, um, we get overlooked uh, as actors. Sometimes they will defer to Los Angeles and New York. And this is the case uh, throughout the globe. You know, uh, people like Paul, that they would come into Nairobi and choose such an important character from the local actors. Acting pool was, you know, revolutionary right. and, and gave such an opportunity to people like Paul and Mundi and all and everybody mm-hmm. that that was just and you could see their gratefulness. You could see their talent. And this is what Lana um, knew. You know, she was like, I don't have to be beholden to this way of doing things and ask Lana, go ahead, I dare you, ask Lana (laughs) to be be beholden to, you know, any preconception, you know, if if it makes sense, she'll consider it. But, you know, Lana is, uh, is, 
a free thinker, a deep thinker, incredibly, she's maybe the smartest person I've ever met, maybe by far, mm-hmm. and, and she doesn't need the approval of anybody's preconceptions or their previous way of doing it, and the ramifications of that are, are huge. They are literally global. They are. And as an audience member, too, I really appreciate being able to see fresh, talented actors. It's refreshing yeah. as an audience yeah. member. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Paul, look at Paul. <laughs> He's amazing, right? Yeah. His, his exuberance, you know, just jumps off the screen and, uh, you know, is fantastic. So it was well. All of the actors um, from all of the other countries, you know, of course, the cast Kathy is out of Los Angeles, but that's the one exception with all of the um, cities outside of the United States. That's pretty exceptional, in my opinion. You know, we just keep getting more and more layers of how much of a masterpiece and how yeah. Transforming this is because even that, yeah. even that by bringing a new, um, a view of actors, a new, a new sense, yeah. a new perspective yeah. because you bring to the table yeah. what you're living. And I mean, my daughter's in LA. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with LA, but no. by, by representing characters that really would have been from that area, you're going to play them in a way, more from the heart, I think. Oh, absolutely. And there are, and then you're forcing yourself, you have no choice, but to be talking about the actual situation, not your imaginary situation. What would it be like to live in Kibera in Nairobi? Right. Well, let's go to Nairobi and get some people who live in Kibera <laughs> and, and look at the number of extras, the background people. Those people were from the neighborhood. I wasn't there, but that's what um, everybody told me. Toby told me and, and everybody. They're like, oh, yeah, we were, in, we were shooting in Kibera, you know, a place where uh, Lana told me that she had trouble casting people because, um, because their agents thought it was too dangerous. And she said, look at the numbers of people sh- murdered in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> It's propaganda, she said, you know. It's- <laughs> right. Oh, that's great. So do you feel like you're how much of how much of Michael is in Bug? How how much yeah, are you drawing on your own personality for that? Um, that's you could oh a lot. A lot, sure. And and as we progress more and more, and again, that's as much a tribute attributed to Lana Mm -hmm. as to myself because what she does is she starts getting to know you and she she sees these things um, about how I am and she says she can't help it in a way she just starts writing bug more like Michael right and and so she's writing she may, I don't know how aware she is of how spot on close she probably is aware because she is the most aware person. You, you can't believe, I couldn't believe that I, 
you know, she's way busier than I am, of course, and she would notice things about me. I'm like, how did you do that? <laughs> she's a multidimensional being. <laughs> she is. She's a true sensor. Yes. Um, <laughs> Well, that's why she could write it so well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it, it was, you know what? Now we're getting to some deep, some more, you can say shit on a podcast, yeah. right? You deep can, yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's the great thing about podcasts. <laughs> Have at it. <laughs> well, the thing that I was going to get at is, is that this, um, I didn't know how... Close. I mean, you can tell by watching it that it must be close to Lana's heart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, particularly with the characters of Nomi and Amanita uh, reflecting her own life. Um, but it, it's even more so than than you realize. And one of the ways is in for her creativity. She revolutionized. My, I, this is my first time working with her, but I talked to so many um, crew members in particular that have worked with her for five, ten years. And this is actually very... Um, she she used to be very... Uh, this is my understanding from stories from others. She used to be very much like, well, this is how it's going to go, and, you know, please do it this way, and everything was kind of planned out and, and sort of controlled, and this was the opposite of control. It was Lana letting go of control and seeing what happened, and then being like, oh, I didn't expect that to happen. Let's go with that, and oh, my goodness. <laughs> that's where the magic happens. Yeah, that spontaneous creativity <laughs> yeah. is awesome. And you can well, feel it. Is, yeah. You can feel it. You can feel So I keep telling people since aid is revolutionary in many ways, not just in its inclusion and its treatment of love and of um, what I call sort of, uh, I don't, outcast people is maybe too strong, but maybe not too strong. Um, but also in her creative process, I, she is, she is encouraging, she is showing the way to Hollywood and beyond this, this different way, which is Lana's under deep understanding of the technology and of storytelling and of filmmaking, which is letting go of this control and allowing the heart and the creative moment, the creative spirit to surface and it's revolutionary nothing short than that i couldn't have said it better yep. <laughs> that's i think you're i think you're spot on with that and i hope that people take notice and follow it in her footsteps sooner than yeah. later sooner than Not later like they will i hope they do now, it yeah please you know. <laughs> Yeah. And the other thing that I keep saying is that as the as each of you go on, you know, even if you come back to Sense 8 time after time and it moves on somehow forever, but you carry this experience with you. And and because she drew from because you're not even talking just the cast members, the crew and everything she got locally too, right? Like they everything was for the, I mean, with some exception, she drew from 
all over the world. So she planted the everybody that worked on it. I don't want to put it all on Lana, but they planted these seeds that will keep growing from exactly what you said. Yeah, just how you got to work with Lana. I just wanted to get the facts straight on. It's absolutely right that they hired local crews everywhere we went, but there was also the um, sort of, I don't know what you call it, the in-house crew, the Globetrotters. Uh-huh. So there were two There were two groups of people everywhere we went. One was the, this is why it was so important for me to become one of the Globetrotters, was because I was akin to the local crew people who go home at night and sleep in their own beds. But there's the other group that stays in the hotel and travels to Mumbai and Seoul and Mexico City. And and so they were both. Right. I'm so glad you got to be in both. Yeah, me too. It's an excellent (laughs) Oh my God. An amazing experience. Yeah, that's that's why I, I cried so much. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was so grateful if that wasn't clear. And, uh, y- y- you know, I was thinking earlier about what you both might ask me. And when you're talking about Sensate, it's always about inclusion and belonging is such an important theme. And I realize that there are levels of belonging, and I think it's not just me and Sense 8. I think it's everybody. Mm-hmm. And w- what I mean is I, I was cast as a level of belonging, and then I became a more regular character. That's another level. And then there's the level where I became a full-fledged, globetrotting member. And I think that's true um, with people in their relationships, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I met this friend and, and I think that she likes me and we get along. And then, you know, then there are more levels. All oh, right. She wants to see me again, maybe romantically. And then, you know, there, you keep going, you know, maybe we should become partners or that was interesting to me. Yeah. And I think that looking at those layers and, and, Definitely. The idea of inclusion is something that is represented in Sensei and talked about a lot. And in some levels is only scratching the surface of the miracle of Sensei. But one of the things, even on the most surface level of that, which isn't that surface because it's still groundbreaking, is I think that if you look at that from a perspective of what is in our worldview, right, we can only include what we've been kind of exposed to what we've been included in, in some ways. And so by seeing these different um, forms of relationships and the, even the different countries, the different cultures, we're welcomed in to an aspect of the world that we may not have had a lot of exposure to. And then other people who may feel very connected to some of those aspects are feeling welcomed into a community that may be outside of their community because lack of exposure um, on their part or not many people knowing what life in their world is like. So just in being exposed, just in seeing love portrayed in different ways and seeing culture, not in an over fantasized way, but in a very real grounded, beautiful way that in itself is transforming and inclusive in some ways because we can't really fully embrace what we've never seen. Oh, that's well said. Yes. You know, some of, 
one of the things you're making me think of there is the international um, community. I got, I get stopped occasionally to be been recognized from Sense8, and um, people all assume that, oh, there's a lot of people from the LGBTQ community. I'm like, well, that's right. But the one that they don't expect is actually there are a lot of international people who, and people say, why, why is it so huge with them? There are a lot of internationals in San Francisco. And why, why are so many people from Colombia and, um, and uh, I have a friend from the Czech Republic and all these people, Mexico, that, that I think it's a similar, I didn't realize until since eight how much the world watches U.S. centric. Right. Entertainment. And that makes them feel like they're not represented. Same thing like how Black Panther made African Americans feel like we we're full members now. Right. You know, we we're represented on a big stage. And, and the whole uh, gender fluid and queer community or, or just, you know, sort of off center people like Bug and, and myself feel represented. A friend of mine said just recently, when you see yourself portrayed and you felt previously ignored, it's just huge. You can't imagine how powerful it is. And that's what Sense8 has, has done to so many different people. Yeah. Types of people and individuals. Yeah, I would agree. Part of um, one of the discussions we had um, in a previous podcast was about seeing somebody for who they are on a very deep level. And we were talking about Nomi and Amanita sitting by a bench that particular moment. But I think part of the awareness of inclusion is just visually um, so to speak, acknowledging mm-hmm. people first. Yeah. I see you. Yes. And so yes. I, think, I think that's just another layer, um, like the, the beginning layer, I see you into that inclusion of um, those deeper relationships that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, we were talking about those layers. You are so, uh, I completely agree with that assessment or Seeing someone is such a, is so important. And, you know, the, the fans, um, in, particularly in, in Napoli, in Naples, Italy, and in Paris, France, were, they, they surprised me how many they were. There were. And, um, that's what we did. We're, we're just walking into the hotel and there's fans out front and, they were just so appreciative that we would stop and chat, take a photo or, or whatever. And I think it's just saying, yeah, you know, I am we, <laughs> you are me and we are all together. Cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> cuckoo, cuckoo. You know, that's another area of inclusion that I hadn't thought about, but our experience with the cast and crew and people is that we 
feel included. Like, yes, this is a huge sensation and you're still showing up as people. And I understand that, you know, sometimes star, I, I completely understand people in the public figure as the public figure who want to protect their privacy, but there's an inclusion that carries over to you all as you go out into the world and welcome the fans in, whether it's on social media or, um, or like you said, when you're walking into your hotel after a long day, there's a a showing up in that way and an openness to be part of the fan base as well that I haven't. Now, to be fair, I have never invested this much time into any other TV show, but I haven't ever seen or felt that uh, from a whole show that inclusion that goes between the people involved in creating the show and the people who are loving the show. Yes. Yes. You know, it, it keeps going back to Lana in my mind Mm -hmm. because we'd be there. And, um, one of the assets, Lana would say gratitude, gratitude. And typically we'd come out after a long morning shoot, go to lunch and then Lana would say gratitude, gratitude. And she was only talking about herself, but but I think she was also suggesting that maybe the others of us would go out and make a point of um, seeing the fans. In in Naples in particular, uh, they were there at every one of our sets. And many of them were, were rather public on the on the beautiful ancient tiny streets very narrow and um, we'd come out of lunch and uh, we had a little game sort of with, because we had we had, we had bodyguards you know me I had <laughs> I, I had like three bodyguards to to go to lunch someday <laughs> Michael you know? Michael you, I hate to break this to you but you are now a Hollywood star <laughs> <laughs> In Naples, <laughs> <laughs> that's more than most people can say. <laughs> well, 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 thank thank you very much, and and I want to be a Hollywood star in Naples, maybe as much as any other city in the world. So. <laughs> right. So you came out with your bodyguards. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just had to, you know, <laughs> tell you that <laughs> in case nobody did. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's very nice. The bodyguards were just were just wonderful. They, they're these huge, menacing-looking guys, but you're like, you know, hey, Guido, how's it going? And he like, you know, show his true, warm-hearted self, you know. And so, and I would kind of make a play of of like, you know, breaking away from them, and the fans would kind of go nuts and. We'd, You'd take as many photos as you could before you had to, you know, get back on the set. And in order to help me, you know, uh, not look like a, like a jerk, you know, my bodyguards, and one of them was Guido, would, you know, be like, you know, act real stern and kind of pull me away. She's like, oh, look, you know, I I really want to stay with you guys, but, you know, this <laughs> tough guy, he's full of, well, what am I going to do? You know? <laughs> That's so sweet. <laughs> On all of your parts. That's great. <laughs> Should we do a clip? We, we have a couple of clips here to uh, oh, some of your scenes, and we'll just talk about them afterwards. Oh, that'd be fun. All right. This is where we have... 
bug meeting Nomi and Neats for the first time. Where's Mike? It's me. I'm Mike. Oh, shit. Fuck. Right. Totally forgot. I'm a fucking idiot. Of course it's you, buddy! <laughs> of course it's you. Not you, like the old you. Like a new, hot version of you. Shit, Mike. You're a total fox. I would do you. I would. I would totally. I mean, not like, not in a degrading way, like that sounded, but total compliment. Thank you. Her name is Nomi. Okay. Who's this? This is my girlfriend. Seriously? Shit. Bug. Right. Business. Everything you need. Right here. Hey, look. If you guys are starting some crime-fighting Super Team Charlie's Angels shit, you count me in. <laughs> Badass. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder they wrote oh, you into that. the script MTV. I know I love how you had to do the awkward like guy talk but now things are different and you had to adjust so quickly yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and that uh, Bob you know once he he got over that she's my old friend Mike is this is a hot foxy w- woman now he got over that in like three seconds you know <laughs> and just saw his old friend the same as always but just with his new look you know that was i love that about bug <laughs> <laughs> i actually can relate to that a lot i had a friend that was a woman and then didn't have contact with her for a while and then she came back um er- kind of early in her transitions but she was um Right. Now a male. And, yeah. you know, it was it, first time in the early days of making that shift. It it was so interesting because to me, it felt more natural when he was a he, you know, there was just something it was a better energy match. So it was really easy to make that shift. But when totally we, makes sense, right? Yeah, I mean, it really does. But when we weren't together, this was what was weird in the early. I mean, it's completely past that now. But in the earlier days, I would think of him as her because in my memory, it, I mean, I knew yeah. what I was yeah, and so that, like, it totally <laughs> makes sense to me that Bug would come up here knowing that it happened and still have to, like, have the brain catch up to it. And even as yes. comfortable as you are with it, it's like your brain has to reprogram itself when you're not near the person at first. Yeah, I might be, uh, I might be personally afraid to voice some of those uh, feelings. Uh, but Bob just blurts them right out. Exactly. Right. He's just, that's what's great about him. I mean, he's just going to say oh my, it. Oh my God, you're, you're hot. <laughs> <laughs> Not only are you hot, is. but you used to be, you know, you, in the old days, I don't think you would have gotten this hot girlfriend, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you had stayed Mike, it never would have, it never would have happened. Trust me. <laughs> So, yes, I mean, just Bug's acceptance of of that is incredible. Yeah. How did you yeah, feel as the, the actor in that? 
well, it, it, I felt fantastic. Um, but it's a little bit of a complicated question because you never know how, uh, you, you know, what is Lana and Lily, will they like it? And uh, John Toll and the director of photography is John Toll and um, everybody else and um, the other actors. And, you know, what happens a lot to me and probably to other actors is, if somebody will come up to you after uh, a scene and they'll be like, oh, wow, I can't believe you interpreted it that way. And you're like, oh, thank you. But in the back of your head, you're like, um, Is that good? how else was I supposed to? <laughs> no, I, you really, I'm really, I'm just solving it the best way. I'm it, it, this, the best way and sort of in my mind, not the only way, but, you know, sort of like that. Right. So you're like, well, what? What, what what do you mean? <laughs> what, were, what were my options? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you picked the right option <laughs> because you oh, ended up you. not only because it was amazing, but because you ended up in the rest of the show. So we know that you did. Yeah, right. And I and I think that um, I think that what. Well, I'm trying to analyze it so I can, you know, continue to do it better. But I think um, Bugs' exuberance, his excitement with um, with Nomi's transition was hugely important. Yeah. You know, he didn't. He, he thought it was cool. Right. You know, and um, and also his his playfulness, which is. Yeah. Uh, which which is about him saying, you know, I would do you, you know, or not in a not in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not in a con- not condescending, but yeah, a derogatory, degrade, yeah, degrading, degrading right? way. Yeah, yeah, degrading. Thank you. Not in a degrading way. <laughs> right, that's that whole guy so, talk, you know. And then it's like, oh wait, yeah, no, I didn't mean to offend woman, you. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. How do I talk to my guy friend who's now a woman? Uh, well, maybe if I use the word degrading, that will help. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's an awesome scene, and you just yeah. you just nailed it with that, in my my opinion. <laughs> oh, thank you. So you know, I uh, I I felt so honored, and I felt a little like with that honor comes pressure, which is a really good thing. And what I mean by that was I very quickly saw that this scene is this scene is revolutionary. Right. You know, and and, and it's and it's personal mm-hmm. to Lana. And I didn't realize at the time how personal it was to Lily. You know. Right. So uh, but I I I knew that and I was like, wow, you know, I bet I'm not gonna I'm not going to go in unprepared. <laughs> That's for sure. You know, oh, you and I really worked. Great job, and just the the you know the theme of acceptance and being able to see yeah. Nomi for the first time because you know she's got her family and not everybody's on board with this either. And so yeah. it's really comforting to her, I imagine, as a character to just be able to go through that transition with ease instead of like. Yeah super awkwardness <laughs> so you said yeah. you said that you you know you couldn't see doing it in any other way really but how did you get a lot of backstory on bug or you know a description or did you pretty much just go off the script and create that the way you 
Sorry. Well, I create I create my own little backstories. Mm-hmm. Um, one one of the things you have to be aware of as an actor that you it takes a little experience, a little time to learn, which is you you can't stick to your backstory because the plot can can develop and change, and you're going to have to change something. Right. Uh, I don't I don't know if you follow. You know, I you, do, you, yeah. you yeah, have one idea in your head and then you say, Oh, well, and then know me and Bob do this thing. You know, you go to this cafe, which means that, Oh, well, this part of my backstory, the way I had it in my head, Bob was a wanted criminal. I'm making this up. (laughs) Anyway. Um, but it does help me to enrich my relationship, particularly with Nomi, but also with, um, Amanita in, in particular, to come up with, you know, the backstory is known though, um, the, the basis of it, which was that Nomi went to prison for right. Bug. Right. Or she, she didn't go to prison. She, she got off, but she was willing to, she took the fall for Bug. Right. And, and I, I don't know if Lana would, I don't know if I ever told her this because it sort of doesn't matter. It's kind of nice, to, especially because Bug is secretive. It's it, it's kind of nice to have secrets mm-hmm. be, as a character because that's just human and that's real. It makes Bug more real to me to have secrets. But to me, um, Bug had been in prison before, and um, and that's the and that I met uh, Mike, you know, Noni Mike, um, she rescued me in a way online uh, while I was feeling suicidal and not wanting to live and and in prison. And uh, this one glimmer of humanity emerged in the form of Mike Noni. I didn't flesh it out entirely. I just, this, Mm -hmm. you know, what are the actual details? Could a prisoner be online with with a a, a young man? I don't know, um, you know. But that's so. Bug had such a deep gratefulness to know me for rescuing him, and then and then Bug. We see Bug rescuing Nomi, right? But in, in Bug's mind, he you know. He's not paying back one tenth of what she's done for him. Right. That's beautiful. That's yeah. Beautiful so there backstory. was already this sense of gratefulness and acceptance. So you, you kind of like, I don't know if that was the first time you guys had met in person on the show, but it seems like. No. You, okay. Not, not in my mind. Okay. Yeah. But it just seems like you were able to. Oh, but you knew there was more to this person than the hacker. Yeah. Right. To, to yeah. help you open right. up to the acceptance of uh, all the craziness that's about to unfold. And I think that I repaid Nomi in this. Again, this is entirely backstory, entirely my imagination. But I think that I repaid her in the same manner that she repaid me. And what I mean by that is. I didn't ask her any questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I picture her not even asking me, well, you know, what were you, what are you in for? Did you do it? Right. You know, what was your crime or are you innocent of the crime? She didn't even ask. 
And, and, and I think that's bug waiting until well into, I think it's episode five when I finally say, um, you know, you're, you keep talking to these voices in your head of people that aren't here and you know, you can trust me. Maybe you should hey, fill me in. I got that. I got that queued up. Let's have a listen. <laughs> okay. Great. I think you got some kind of really complicated problem here. And while some people might get a bit freaked out with you dark and empty space all the time, you know, I'm totally cool with shit like that. And I just, you know, you can trust me, right? There it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's part of my point was that was a long way into his relationship yeah. with, with, with Nomi. That's, you know, that's episode five in season two. And, um, you know, he, he just sat there and it was like, I don't need to know. Well, all that matters is that I'm your friend and I'm down, you know, I'll do whatever for you. And, uh, until there seemed to be some sort of reason for it. And, and, uh, then he asked, he's like, it might help, you know, that's the underlying question. It might help if I knew some of these things, you know. Right. But he doesn't even push it. Like, to me, that line right. is just like, so, like, it's exactly what you said. There's so much love there. And it's really, if yes. You feel, if you feel like telling me, you know, that'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I also heard, like, you do, like, wanting to know that he was trusted. Like, you know, just letting right. her know I'm not going to do anything. But there was this part of his heart, uh, you know, like you said, where she's saving him still. Um, and yes. that he wanted to be, there is a longing to be more in you're, the inner circle then. You're, you're totally reminding me of something I had sort of forgotten, which was that it wasn't so much in my mind, in Bug's mind, that I needed to know the information. It was... Like, I felt like you don't trust me, right. you know, you know, it, do, do you trust, you know, you, after everything I've done, it feels a little bit weird that you're keeping this from me. And yeah, yeah. It, another level of belonging, like we were talking exactly. about. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I, I really long to be in that. Like, I love you and trust you that much, you know? Right. Right. And I, I, I would love to make you feel really good. It doesn't matter to me the facts, but to make me feel belong, like you trust me and you, and I feel belong, beloved, belonging. Right. Yeah, within the the trio. Oh, that's beautiful. And I'll, I'll play this next clip too, just to to reinforce where that's coming from. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> wow. Wait, so, like, your brain is, like, part of a bigger brain, and it's all networked and file-sharing, and holy shit, no. I thought this trans new body, now a hottie thing was cool, but this, this, the secret species thing, shit, that's, like, the coolest thing I ever heard. Okay, Please don't talk about it. Oh. 
This is serious, Bug. Of course it's serious. This is capital letters B-I-G, as in Galileo. Time to rethink geocentrism. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> as then you go stumble down the stairs. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Again, um, for me, the actor, when I saw that scene on paper, again, um, like I described earlier in the podcast, I don't know much. Um, it's just how it works. And I get my information by their like, oh, here's, here's the next script, you know? Mm-hmm. And you don't know, like you might have one little line in it. Okay, I'll, I'll get on that, you know? <laughs> or, or you discover that they're telling you the whole secret and you're becoming like as, you know, as big as a character is, you know, you're becoming, you're belonging again. You're becoming one of them. Oh my goodness, when I read that and uh, Christmas scene and, um, I, I want to, uh, a fan actually helped me understand, um, some things that I got intuitively, but, you know, it helps to get it concretely in your head. Uh, I, I met a fan named Javier and we became friends and Javier said, Oh, the thing about bug is that he says what the fans are thinking. And I was like, oh, that's true. You know, he, he's like, this thing is so, he, he, he's the biggest fan of Sensei is Bug, I think. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, and for him to hear the plot, and, he, and he's like, like a fan, he's like, oh my God, it's blowing <laughs> my mind. I love this. It's right? so beautiful. It's like humans connected, like in a way, like humans, but in a way, like computers, and in a way, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> There's, yeah, that's awesome. I never thought of that bug as that either. So I would definitely agree with that. He yeah. says what the the fans yeah. want to say. Yeah, that's awesome. And then he says he has to yeah, go it, think for a week or sleep for right. a week, which is hopefully what the fans are doing. Is like, and and we've heard many not sleeping for a week, but. <laughs> Just, you know, just really getting, letting it sink in, letting it stretch our brains to a whole new realm of possibilities. Right. And I love the idea of you reading that script with as much excitement and enthusiasm. It makes so much sense, right? You read that line and you're in the exact same emotion that Bug is when they tell him because you're like, oh, my God, I'm in. (laughs) I'm going to Paris. I ask you an actor, an actor. I think Sheila is that right? No, are you? Are, no, I'm not. You, you, you coach. <laughs> I do coach, coach actors. actors. Yeah, but, yeah. I'm well, a spiritual. Yeah, I, I came up in through the spiritual connection thing, and now I I bring it into the creativity side. Oh wow! Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, the, the, what I was going to ask. Uh, the listeners of this podcast to do, especially if, if you are an actor, is imagine, you know, reading a novel, um, 
or, or in my case, I'm reading a screenplay, which is this beautiful transformative thing in its own right. And then you come across some lines that you're like, oh my God, these are incredible lines. I love these lines. And then you make this out level. You're like, wait, I'm going to be saying those lines. I'm going to be the one saying them. And you're like, I mean, because I'm, in my mind, I'm seeing this as revolutionary and historic every step right. of the way. It, it's, it's unavoidable. And so you're like, wait, that, I'm going to be the, I'm the voice of this historic moment. Oh my God. I'm, I'm going to stumble down some stairs right now. <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah. you're right. And to know that in the moment is amazing because I, I honestly believe that it's going, I mean, it's already had a huge impact, but I don't even think we've touched the surface of where it's I, going. I agree. Well, I, I think this might be enjoyable to hear this recollection. Um, it was very, <laughs> oh gosh, just thinking about it again, I'm getting a little weepy. Uh, so we finish this long, grueling shoot, um, which is, I'm talking about the two months in Europe, and we're at the rap party, and uh, I'm hanging out with Daryl Hannah, you know, uh, I, Lana Wachowski, you know, I'm sitting at the same table with Lana Wachowski, a two-time award-winning director of photography, John Cole. Um, Neil Young and these other people who are incredible. I'm just like, oh my god, what you know? This and and I'm one of the ones sitting at the table. That's weird. <laughs> um, but the so we're, this is the rap party, and it, we're in Berlin. And Lana gets up on on a stage on top of a bar to make a little thank you um, end of project speech and put it all in perspective, which Lana is, uh, she always has, she, maybe the thing that's so amazing about her is her ability to have the big perspective right there with the small perspective. Mm -hmm. the, this moment, my personal take on it versus uh, versus the cast, versus history, versus the planet, versus the whole world. She she has all of that in her brain in the proper perspective. And she said, one of the things that you're making me think is, she said, you know, this show is 10, 20 years ahead of its time. Right. And I think that that is the truest thing about it. And the implications of that is that it will take a long time for people to realize its effect and its importance. And some people get it, you know, right away. Mm-hmm. Some of the uh, less mainstream people who feel out of the mainstream a little bit, people who are internationals, they seem to get it, get it right away. Mm -hmm. But everybody, uh, my prediction is everybody will will get it eventually, and but we're not at that point yet. So 
it's interesting when I talk to different people, I try to feel out where they are, you know, do you get it? Mm-hmm. Do you get the in- importance of this show or, cause I have to speak about it differently right. if, if they don't quite get it yet. Right. What, what have you learned? What's, how do people experience sense eight? What are people saying and what if they, well, how I- is that? I'll I'll start yeah. and I'll give you my experience so far um yeah. as running the podcast. Right. For for everybody who's been following along, we know that Martin Earhart actually came from Buenos Aires, Argentina to the United States and he got to spend some time with Maximilian and he came up here to good old cold and snowy Syracuse, New York. And that was a, that's kind of a sense experience because he was out here meeting other sense eights or sense eight fans. And I talked to him. Oh, cool. I spoke to him, but I, I didn't get to meet him. Yeah. I look forward to that in the future. Oh yeah. Mar- Martin's a great guy. We got to spend some time together. We had a lot, we, a lot of laughs. It was, uh, he was, when he was out here, we actually got a party together of local people who love sense eight and we started nice. filming part of his documentary here in Syracuse. And oh, wow. I kind of helped co-direct and co-facilitate um, what was happening in the room. But he had some amazing questions. And I got to watch everybody's interviews. So I'm the only one besides him that had that particular experience. And yeah. it was really amazing to sit back and listen to how Sense8 affects people in a common way, but different because of their perspectives and maybe their jobs yeah. and their walk of life. There there might be common threads in particular scenes, but those, those were all translated differently as people were watching them. And then just to listen to how everybody was... Um, and I've said this before, everybody's kind of given this permission slip and they realize that sense eight is talking about a way of life that is possible. And I say that is because as an audience member watching the show there, you are in almost like the cells of your body on this very subtle energy level, uh, maybe sub subconscious even there is this voice that goes, that's me, or that's the way life should be. And it really opens up people to ask that question of, oh, shouldn't I be living this way? Shouldn't life be this way? I would love to be more open with people. Um, there was a yeah. one of the gentlemen who got to speak, he was able to see people differently and open up to them differently. So he has different relationships with people now because he's um, just more open to different walks of life. So it's been a really unique perspective specifically from that moment. And I can say this, that the sensate fans are super passionate people. And I think the reason um, for that is because sensate hints, it's something that is, just on the cusp of something that they can experience or they know life should be like. Right. 
Right. And as we kept talking in this podcast about progression, we're going there, people. We're going there. Oh, yeah. We are. I mean, that, that's uh, mind-blowing. That's exciting. It's, it, it, you know, the same experience has been happening to me, and meaning that you talked about Martin um, opening up and experiencing relationships in different ways. And that's absolutely been happening to me. And it, it, it was since a, from my perspective, it was as much the themes in the show as, um, the way that we were acting and living. Like we were talking about the, the living it, not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. Right. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. And there's definitely a welcoming, even just online, one of the things that happened just this week is I noticed in, in one of the groups, um, on Facebook, one of the Sensei Facebook groups, somebody's wife died and he turned to the group for support and the yeah. outpouring of love. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did you see that? Were you? The out- I did not see that, but something happened in in Rome that heart that uh, I that reminds me of that. You finish your story, and then I'll. It was just the outpouring of love. It's it is there yeah. is a sense of um, inclusion as Sensei fans. Yeah. It's almost like um, you know people who are in a twelve step program, and you know wherever in the world you are, if you say you're part of a twelve, you know, if you're looking for an AA or an uh, Al-Anon. There's going to be people there to welcoming you in or a church yeah. and, and not in the structured sense of religion, but in that commonality. Yeah. And we have a base of which we can perceive life from. And so it gives this baseline for people to go immediately into deeper conversations, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is that is something. A, a, a similar thing happened uh, in Rome, Italy. Um, I, uh, had the great pleasure to go to a fan fest there and, um, and one of the fans that was so excited to come couldn't make it. And we learned that it was because she was struggling with suicidal, um, thoughts and actions and, um, the same thing happened, uh, the fans, but also the cast. There were four of us there at that time, uh, uh, Max, Toby, Brian, and myself. I think that we all felt that there is something intrinsic in Sense8 that is about this connection. And, and there are also, I think that fans a portion of the sensate fans are slightly vulnerable mm-hmm. because so many of the fans do feel like one of the reasons for the passion is that they're not feeling included in some way in their life, in their society or their, or their group. I think there's a strong group of people, proportion of sensate fans that, that feel that way. And, and that, that strong passion, and certainly the actors, Toby, Max, Brian, and myself, 
we talked quite a bit about that and we and we supported this young woman and it's just very it was very powerful we were like wow you know this isn't just a show this is there's an aspect of the support group you know we're, we're saying you're okay i am we and 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 we are all we and uh yeah wow that's powerful <laughs> it is really powerful is. your story is powerful too that yeah. the, the four of you there would open your heart so deeply to a fan in that moment that's incredible i honor you well to think that how can we not i mean uh, to think that something that we're involved with was so important you know to this one individual and by um by expansion you assume to others as well and we're like of course you know of course this is important to us right you know this yeah how can it be any other way uh, i think we're losing i think this is part of our growth is we're talking about a new way of living, maybe an, ex- an evolution in a way of human beings. Yeah. I think in, in the deep past of human history, it's actually, it's prehistory because it's before writing. There was all this talk about, you keep hearing these legends about human beings could talk to animals. And have you heard this? Yeah. Yes, and in my world they still do. <laughs> but go in a way, that's, that's what I—that's uh, what I'm—that's what I'm getting at. Right. I, I don't mean to talk, but we we could we can communicate, and that the lines of communication were open, right? And right. there, and that seems to be quite different right now. In my imagination, the way that that happened was this sort of. Um, I was going to say global, why not? This this global mindset, this mindset that everybody shared, maybe a spirit that we all share, and that's the vehicle that we're using to communicate. Because I don't think it was like, hello, Mr. Bird, how are you feeling this morning? Right. Right. <laughs> no, I, I think it was something like uh, more direct to our spirit, maybe. And you're talking about the internet um, connecting people's minds, and then the next step is they become aware of each other as being a global. And then I think somehow, in a weird way to me, technology is perhaps pushing us back to this this previous state uh, of of connection. Michael, you're like. You're exactly saying my belief right here. <laughs> I think that it is. It's, it's, um, it's springboarding us because it's reminding us how to talk inside. Because when you're in an online community or you're communicating online, there's, you don't use your external ears. And so you start to trigger those parts of your brain that oh. hear the whole conversation in your head, see the conversation in your head. I, I think it it absolutely is training us to go back to that state of being. I hope so. That sounds beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. I have a story with an animal that happened this week. I we have um yeah. we have a enclosed porch, and often a bird will get in 
to the porch and yeah. I was leaving the, the other day and I, there was a bird on the porch. And so I looked at it and I was, and it was trying to fly out a closed window, you know? So I just looked at it and I, I said out loud, follow me, but then I, I visualized him literally finding his way out by following me. So I just did that. I walked out to the car. I turned back and the little bird was hopping out the door. Like he followed me so much that he got down on his feet and he came out the door. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't have to take it that literally. It cracked me up. It cracked me up. I'm like, (laughs) huh? You did a good job uh, translating that, though, because flying wasn't working. You know? Right, exactly. Just He's like, oh, that's exactly. a great point. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe, Sheila, in, in fact, that that is exactly what's happening all the time and that we have, uh, we're just less aware of it than we were. And there may be something in our verbal language that has made our, uh, that has gotten in a little bit in the way of that. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I think that you're using your imagination to, um, speak to the bird in a way. I think that may have been more closer to this ancient form of communication. I think, I think you really nailed it there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I couldn't, um, when my dog was alive, I couldn't even think in my head, I'm going to go for a walk in a little while. Cause as soon as I yeah. had that thought, right. he would start barking. Right. Yeah. Right. So right. we do see right. it, you know, it's just that it's, we have to remember. It's yeah. It's obvious that this exists to me. Uh, a friend of mine was working in a place with with all these animals, and one of them got out, and they and all the humans were. It was a bird again, and all of the humans were like rushing at it and trying to trying to catch it and and grab it. And the bird, what would you do? You'd get more and more panicked and right. crazy. It was flying around it, and my and my friend said, "Okay, okay, everybody out of the room, out of the room." I will do this. And she closed the door and stood there and just thought to the bird, it's all right. It's all right. I'm going to come and I'm going to pick you up. And she took a very long time to do that. But when she went to pick up the bird, it just, it, it just let her. Right. Yeah. Cause it knew she was communicating with it and, mm-hmm. and it was, I love that story. <laughs> I love your story too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's so beautiful, and it's beautiful to place that together and and to realize that that's part of what the internet's helping us get back to. Sense Eight is helping us get back to, and I think why it's hitting so questions? deeply yeah. to the core oh, of the fans. So we asked some people on Twitter what they would ask you. And these are some of the ones we got back. And I'm going to give you... Oh, exciting. Isn't it fun? <laughs> exciting, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to start with their Twitter name so they get um, a shout out. So Anna Good. Sensate says, OMG, Michael is the best. I'd love to hear the story of what happened to him the day he found out Sensate was canceled once again that many sensates can hear that. So I hadn't even heard it. She knows something more. So <laughs> do you know what story she's talking about? 
Yeah, I, I do. You know what? I got a little distracted there because I'm pretty sure I know Anna um, <laughs> and Dave, although it's not so uncommon. Um, um, Anna, are, are you, do you live in Paris? Anyway. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I think we met, didn't we? Didn't we meet? Um, so... So yeah, the the day that Sense8 was canceled, I was, as you can expect, in a, a bad mood. <laughs> and I and I went into San Francisco, and I never do this. I always go straight to the hate the hate Ashbury district to meet my friends. I always go straight there on the public transportation. But this time, I I thought that I would get off. And walk half, um, a fairly long distance, um, just to sort of, you know, feel the earth and not be in a hurry and feel my feelings. And so I'm walking in this different place. I'm like, oh my goodness, San Francisco is full of beautiful hills. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've never been up on this hill. And, uh, I was really enjoying that. And then this, this beautiful young woman uh, was looking at me and I was like, well, that's cool to have a beautiful young woman looking at you. Um, but she came, she came down and, and said, are you on sense eight? And, uh, I, I was not accustomed honestly at that time to being recognized. I, I said, yeah. And this was Laura and she's from Colombia, and she was there with her friend from Germany. And, uh, we, talk to, to be recognized and then chat with a devoted fan for a good long time. And, you know, we took our selfies and, you know, we're still in, mm. in contact and, uh, it just really, it meant so much to me. That's a and, beautiful story. And just the sensateness of it, that you took the walk, yeah. that you were right there, that you got that that love right then, you know, and that remembering yeah. that since it can't die, <laughs> it just can't. Yeah. Yeah. It can't. That's right. Very beautiful. <laughs> so we have the, I am we campaign. They would like to know about the day. I know you've already mentioned this, but they want to know about the day you were written back into the show. Is there anything special about that day for you? Other than that, I think you're talking about in season one when I learned that I was going to do more than one scene. Yeah, it, probably. And I think this is another friend of mine who lives in Berlin. So hello. <laughs> I am. Yeah, we well, campaign does a lot to support Sensei. Yeah. Well, I still wear your shirt. So thank you for the t-shirt and I have your stickers. When I was written back in, that was a very emotional moment you know, again, it's the belonging and the, it's like, they like me, you know, who, I forget who said that at the Oscars Academy Awards speech. They like me, but that's how I, how I felt. And, um, it's still going on. And then, and the, then there's a further implication. You're like, well, if they wrote me in one more mm -hmm. scene, you know, there could be more. And, um, it was, again, it was just incredibly emotional. And in my mind, I brought up the director of photography, the cinematographer, John Toll, quite a few times because I just love this man. And 
um, I feel very close to him. And as part of doing that scene, Sense8 was done shooting in San Francisco. So they flew me to Chicago to shoot that scene. Okay, I have to do a little tangent here. Another thing that they wanted to shoot was I had, at the end of the, my first scene that we played the clip from, uh-huh. where I say, where I meet Nomi again uh, for the first time as a woman. Right. And I had improvised a line that wasn't in the script that right at the end of the scene, I said, missed you, buddy. And um, Lana and Lily liked that so much that they flew me to Chicago, not only to shoot the scene, but to make sure that they got that. They filmed it, but it didn't, it didn't work. The sun was going down. The light was bad. The sound was bad. I don't know. Sorry for that tangent. I'm going no, back great. to John. Yeah, a great so I'm in the hotel in Chicago, and it's the very last person I saw as I was going back to the airport, as I was getting in my car and being driven back to the airport, <laughs> which is how it happens, and it's not something I'm used to. It's pretty wonderful. Um, John Toll is in the elevator and he he he's not somebody who uses a lot of superfluous words so when he says something people tend to pay attention and I certainly was and he just looked at me and he said you'll be back and I was like oh my god I'll be back yes I'll be back <laughs> that's as exciting as when they invited you to Christmas dinner in the script uh, yeah <laughs> That's right. It's, it's very similar, actually, isn't it? Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Yeah. All right. We have uh, Omax. What is your favorite scene to shoot in the upcoming special? <laughs> oh. Well, but that's, that's do, illegal. It did say that they're tried. just teasing you. We don't want yeah, to put you on the yeah, spot. Yeah, we don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> Well, I I can try, but it's so hard. You know, my first thought, in in a way, uh, it's hard hard for me to explain because I'm like, how do I explain without giving away anything about, you know, the finale? Um, But uh, two things are coming to mind, and and one was because it was the hardest, and one was because it was the easiest. When I am first introduced um, in the finale, um... I, it seemed like the most, I had circled it, you know, in my mind as, oh, this is the most important scene that I've really got to nail. So I went over and over and over and over it, and we shot it in Paris, and um, let's see, what can I... Uh, what can I tell you without giving away? I'll do, I'll do, I, I'm sorry. I, I have to just say it. It's when you first see me, and then when we see the finale all together, we'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Perfect. It, it, it had to do with everything that we've talked about today. Bug feels like he fully, fully belongs, and uh, Michael, the actor, feels like he fully, fully belongs. And so it's this huge emotional thing. So that was the most difficult scene. And then there was a scene that was, um, that I'm describing as the easiest in a way. Um, 
it was easy in a way because it was it was given to me late in the so I couldn't think about it. It was given to me because one of the actors was stuck on a different set on the other side of the world and last minute couldn't make it. And so Lana gave the scene to me and I was so I was like, Oh my god, I get to read this scene and uh all I will tell you is that I'm in a car and I'm talking to Kala. And um, and it was a beautiful, beautiful scene that Lana wrote. And one of the reasons why I'm most proud of it and it was the most fun was because um, the whole time in Europe, there was time constraint, time, 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 time. So being very efficient was, I knew, not everybody knew, I think, but it, it was obvious. We got to get this quick, you got to get it right and you got to get it quickly. So I, I, read my, I give my performance to Kala and, and, uh, and Lana said, uh, uh, good, that's what we're looking for, but just do this and that, which is basically to kind of simplify it and, um, and shorten it, um, make the take less lengthy. And so, you know, don't take Mike, like Lana had said, just do it. Mm-hmm. And she, she calls action, you know, do, do it again. And, and I do it and I could see out of the corner of my eye, Lana gives a, gives a fist pump. You know, I'm like, yes. <laughs> and, and then the next words were, um, cut, moving on. And that's what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Moving on. You just, you know, we could have shot that for a long time if I kept, not getting what Lana wanted. But no, the fist bump cut moving on. I was like, yes. (laughs) That's awesome. And hopefully that, and hopefully that's, I think that's what Lana means by generous too. That's another aspect of generous, which is that if, if I'm not all worried about, you know, these things that are my priorities, you know, Oh, I want them to see a, into the tear in my eye, you, you know, which may or may not be important. But if you do what is needed to say cut and move on, then the next scene gets 15 more minutes, you know, right. and that's before the sun goes down, you know, right. Right. <laughs> you know there are hard and fast things that, that we can't change like the sun. (laughs) And so anyway, that was very fulfilling. And then I actually was able to see that scene and, um, you know, Lana's direction was perfect, you know, a little bit more straightforward approach. It was exactly what was called for in that moment. And it was beautiful. Exciting. I can't wait to see it myself. I know. And you did an awesome job of answering that question without, giving anything away yeah. or compromising yourself. I'm impressed. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll, hopefully it's a, just a good tease, you know, to, well, what does he mean the scene in the car? Right. You know? Right. <laughs> and exactly. like, oh, I, I know. That's what he was talking about. <laughs> exactly. And uh, another, another tease is that there's, there are, uh, 
well, it just a couple of really, there are going to be some new Sensei Kongs, new anthems that are going to be, uh, I don't know if anything's ever going to be more important than, hey, what's going on? Hey, hey. Right. <laughs> but there are going to be some really, really excellent new Anthem Sensei songs. Oh, but yes. you know that, but you don't know like you will know. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we can't wait. <laughs> we can't wait. Michael, it has been awesome talking to you today. Do you want to um, let the fans yes. know what they can look forward to from you as far as your work going forward? I would love to. As we said at the top of the show, I was at the San Francisco International Film Festival last night, and I hope that you all get a chance to see this movie. It's just, it, I, I, I always love the movies that I'm in, but this has uh, gone to a little bit of a higher level. It's called Sorry to Bother You. Sorry to Bother You. And uh, Boots Riley lives in Oakland, California, like I do, and he's a uh, rap artist, a hip-hop star from decades. Uh, his most famous band is called The Coup, and he is a first-time filmmaker, and he does this film, Sorry to Bother You, and it opens up um, uh, July 6th, and um, that's in the U.S., I, and it will, I, I, I'm sure it'll get a global presence, but I don't know where. Anyway, I'm very excited about Sorry to Bother You, and then the other thing I'd like to mention is if you want to go travel to Vermont and I'm twisting Sheila and Zach's arms and they're tempted, in May I'm performing my uh, autobiographical true story. It's a one-man play called Heart in the Hood. Um, it's about my life living here in Oakland. I'm a small town boy from Vermont, and I moved into a pretty rough and tumble inner city neighborhood. And you know, we're talking drugs and homelessness and yeah, violence. And uh, I've come to love it. And um, come see the show, and and I'll, it'll I'll take you on a journey and try to explain why. And uh, again, it's about themes of sense eight of in inclusion and belonging are the keys to maybe all of life, but certainly in this neighborhood that I live in, in West Oakland, in Oakland, California. Uh, this show, I performed it for Lana Wachowski and whole gang at Kino Works in Chicago. Kino Works is the um, production house of Lana in Chicago and Lily and the gang there. And, uh, and I also performed it in Rome to Sense 8 fans. And so it was, uh, those were just wonderful experiences. Um, the show's called Heart in the Hood. And the best way to learn about it is to go on my website, which is michaelsummers.com. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-S-O-M-M-E-R-S.com. And, uh, uh, May 6th in my hometown of Middlebury, Vermont is the first show. There's also May 11th in Waitsfield and May 13th in the tiny town of Wyndham, Vermont. I'll be performing in the church that my parents got married in. Oh. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I think I've done it. Because <laughs> yeah. I told you what's coming up. Awesome. Awesome. And All right, Michael Summers, thank you thank very you so much. much. We've had such a great time with you today. Oh, me too. Wow. Thank you, Zach and Sheila, and and thank you, all you wonderful Sensei fans. I love you guys, man. I, I couldn't believe how much love I got, particularly in Paris and in Naples and all across the world. And uh, you know I love you. And uh, and I'm gonna. I promise I'll be back to to visit you. And I'm gonna bring my. I, I promised to Italy. I would bring my show to um to Rome to Italy. And, and I did. And so, France and Paris, you're next. Awesome. That's great. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you for listening. We had a great time with Michael Summers today. You can always contact us via Twitter at live underscore sense8. You can send us an email at team at livesense8.com. And if you enjoyed the show, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash live sense eight and pick up some excellent perks to support the show so we can grow. Thank you very much for spending your time with us this week and we'll catch you next time.